0: Welcome back to episode 17 of the Amateur Theatre Podcast and this week we are talking to Hannah Hayes. Hannah is probably the youngest person we've had on the podcast so far and she brings a really interesting perspective on amateur theatre and her experiences so far. We kick off discussing. One of her first experiences outside of school or uh, drama clubs where she took on part in A Winter's Tale with a local amateur company. So taking on Shakespeare and mixing with adult actors all at the same time. We then dive into her process and we discuss a number of elements that she's found difficult and that she's worked to overcome. Not least her desire to be... The best that she possibly can be in every single performance she does along with understanding the need to be vulnerable and flexible within a rehearsal space and also matching up to the expectations that those around her have of her and whether she's able to accept that she'll never reach the expectations she holds for herself or whether she can actually come to terms with the fact that not every performance will be the perfect realisation of what you have in your head. So a really, good, a really good fun chat with her. Also wanted to mention Script Club Mark II. First episode of our Script Club went out last week. Thank you to those who've listened and fed back. It was really great fun to do. And so we're going to do it again at the end of the month. The script we're looking at currently is David Island's Sadie, which is a quite recent play to come out which hit the stage in 2020 during the lockdown. And this one you can actually get online through the BBC if you don't want to have to buy the script. So head on to the the iPlayer and see if you can't find it on there and have a little watch. And that should set you in good stead for our conversation in a couple of weeks' time. So I look forward to hearing what your thoughts are on that. Until then, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Hannah Hayes.
1: I think I, I gained a lot from, from just sort of watching it and just seeing the process of yeah. how, how things get put on and you know being part of a, a company.
0: From a 13-year-old's perspective, it must be slightly, well, Shakespeare for a start and then doing a a play. So (laughs) you've got all the crap of like A, being 13, B, Mm. just having to learn lines and act and C, (laughs) operating in a space that's full of random adults who are just all like weird stuff. What, (laughs) how did you, like, how did you approach that? What was your... Like oh. Mindset—just sit in the corner and watch, or was it try and get involved? Or
1: <laughs> a bit. I, I, I mean, I remember the audition, and I was terrified because it was all of the. I'd never, I'd never done anything outside of you know, like school productions or the whopper put on productions, and so it was so intimidating and seeing all these adults and them and all doing. You know, because we had to do monologues at one point, and then we're doing their vocal warm ups, and I was there like. Oh. <laughs> what (laughs) you know they're making these high-pitched noises and i'm (laughs) sort of (laughs) like should i be doing something like that (laughs) and i remember we did animal animal studies it was it was part of it because it was meant to be blind in the wardrobe they were going to base it off that sort of thing and um uh it was really intimidating because i mean all of these acts are brilliant everyone that was auditioning and they're they're all really going for it and i was quite quite shy and reserved because I think I was just so scared of getting it wrong. um, Which obviously that's not what it's about, um, but watching them just go for it and watching like people just sort of in their element, I think it was really, um, I don't know, useful to Mm -hmm. me because I think it was, it was a bit of like a, it definitely felt much more like a safe environment. So it took away some of that intimidation. I think when you watch everyone else, just, just going for it and doing, doing their thing. being able to just sit and watch, I think, from my perspective, when I was quite young, it was, it was very um, I don't know, it was it was very useful to me, I think. I think it definitely it sort of helped a lot of my later, uh, later, especially Shakespeare work. And I think, I think doing Shakespeare that young in that environment um definitely helped later when I did like things like Lambda exams and things. Because you there, get a much better grasp.
0: Yeah, there's a real difference between Doing a school show or doing like a a production that's kind of like a you're guaranteed a part probably, and B you know if, if you if you are actually good you know if you are one of the better ones you tend to get a good role and there's some level of like adulation and you know the focus and attention's on you if you're 13 mm. and going out into real world to be part of a show that's mm. like flipped because, uh, yeah, completely and, and although you paint you paint those people as being like you said it a couple of times like it's great to watch them in their element i mean they're all going through the same thing the 13 year old you was going through they just have different <laughs> mechanisms through which they're coping with it in the you mm. know they're you know doing their warm-ups or doing their whatever they're still crapping their yeah. pants or whatever um but i guess for you i mean again people, other people have said it just starting at 13 and, and having that sort of experience in a in a real production out with a real audience you know not just parents or grandparents or whatever that's just to start getting experience that soon is really useful. Like, like, you know, as you just said, like it, there's one thing you can't like teach and that's being part of a production and having to go through the process and having to crack yourself and having to like face down those fears, you know, doing that is like, yeah, really important to your development. Okay. So I'm going to come back to that production because I want to kind of dissect a little (laughs) bit more, but if we just follow the, the, Mm. the through thread of kind of getting you to, where you are now. So after that, you, it, was there a, was there just a greater challenge in that? Is, is there a reason? Do you, do you get a feel for like why you pursued it and still pursue it now, even though you're probably, I mean, I, you know, you're not, you're not looking to become a professional actress right, at, at this mm, stage in your life.
1: No. <laughs> but
0: Is there, can you put your finger on kind of like what it was that was triggering you to, to pursue it? Like, as you say, because I mean, I'm kind of going to put words in your mouth but was it because you were just good at it and you were getting the, the kind of yeah. the, the positive feedback that you wanted from doing something like that or was it the thrill of kind of getting on stage and and testing yourself or was it the challenge or was it a mixture of all three or, or yeah. other stuff
1: yeah I think I think it's a, a bunch of things I, I mean performing on stage is is definitely add- addictive it's mm-hmm. I love it um and like the feeling you get when you you know you're getting clapped and everyone's loving it, and the feedback afterwards—it's a very big ego boost, and it's it's great. But um, I think I've always been a very people person, um, yeah. and I've always loved sort of finding out about people and getting to know them. And I'm a very sociable person, and I think drama was sort of—I um, guess it's a way of finding out about people, except it's just not real people. Mm-hmm. You're sort of you're becoming a whole other person and you're, you're making up a story about everything about them, you know, because that's the way at least I, I sort of act and how I've done a lot of my monologues and things is sort of really trying to, to get to know this whole other person and then becoming that. Right. And I think it sort of gives you perspective on, on other parts of, like, other people, sort of aspects of other people's lives that you don't experience yourself. So, okay. you know, like like Hermione in A Winter's Tale and I'm doing her monologue. You know, I'm never going to be put on trial for infidelity by a king and then and then killed, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's, I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I think that's what really pulls me into it. Because as much as I, I love performing, and I, I really do, <laughs> um, I think it's that that aspect of it. It's sort of like looking through a lens of, of other people's lives okay and um then becoming that yourself
0: I see yeah okay that makes sense we will uh, i am just making a note of that we will come back to that when we kind of look at <laughs> character development stuff no no I mean it's a mm. it's a fair enough impetus to continue to do it you know it's a mm. I, much of yeah I, I, we are probably quite slim in that way mm. much of the reason why I kind of like doing it and why I actually find Shakespeare so like tough is that I Mm. yeah, I like dissecting, you know, what the writers put on the page and trying to work out new characters and put them, bring them to life on stage and Mm. watching actors kind of go through that process. Yeah. I I, yeah, I'm one of the big draws for me. And the right the reason why Shakespeare kind of is slowly losing its sheen is because I don't know, it's just too as you say, I mean much of what you said is right, it's just too stuffy. People want to layer so many things on it that you, you mm. find it harder and harder to make your own interpretation because, yeah. oh, you did it this way. Well, did you not realize that he wrote it like this with this in mind? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't, yeah you know, it's a bit of a yeah. downer on the, on your production and your choices. From a, if you were, if someone was kind of in your shoes going through that process, what, have you got any sort of thoughts on your choices in terms of choosing it for GCSE and A-level and and then your choices to, step out into the real world and get involved kind of more practically in shows are you mm-hmm. is any of that stuff kind of you'd say was not worth it or more some of it was kind of more valuable than other stuff
1: i think the the skills you get from drama and doing it and performing and even the, the written work and the analytical skills i mean they transfer so much I mean, it's, you get a lot of soft skills from it things like um you know just being able to to bullshit your way or waffle your way through you can really develop those skills in drama. I think I knew I wasn't going to go to drama school because that was, that was my plan for so long. And I, Oh, it was your plan Yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I wanted to go to drama school for ages because it was sort of acting was my passion and it was, it was what I felt the most me doing. Right. I felt the most sort of comfortable when I was I was doing drama in it. I, it's what I loved, and I think I it was just I took the safe option rather than you know risking it and going to drama school. But I I think I wanted to hold on to drama for as, for as long as I could because you know you know when I go to uni and stuff, I, I, well, I can still join drama societies, but it's not it's not what I'm learning. You know what yeah. I mean. And so I think I yeah.
0: What what <laughs> rationale? did you have for that kind of realisation?
1: I don't know. I think for me to go from, from a levels straight to drama school, I really, I needed to want it a lot more than I do. Um, and I do, I love drama and I I really do love it. I think it's, I just, I also love, you know, my psychology and whatever else. And I think, I think there's a big aspect of me that's still doubting, my own abilities in drama I mean I've I've always been very self-critical and going into drama school being so self-critical and self-doubting I I just don't think it's a good mix (laughs) because it's it's a brutal sort of environment and I think you know you can't take everyone's words who are going to critique you for bible and I think that's definitely sort of what I do and I'd probably get one thing telling me that I've done this badly and then I just think okay no I why am I doing this I'm a bad actor and I think you need a lot of self-assurance um going in and I think that's why I've sort of sort of put it off a bit okay because yeah
0: yeah no I mean that that all sounds like <laughs> sensible decision making I I mm. guess I mean I a lot I would challenge that the people going <laughs> in are of sound mind and
1: yes, there
0: are a lot of people who do not take criticism very well, but mm-hmm. are still pursuing it. But I would say that if you're the point you made right at the start in that, if you're, if there's an element of doubt in your mind, it's not the best environment to kind of be yeah. operating where people will be like, <laughs> even your fellow actors are going to be like, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's a fight. First years a fight that like people are trying <laughs> to prove that they're the best and they're, you know, they yeah. know the most and whatever. And you will be, kind of judged every audition you go to and you will be you know and I guess that you know on the flip side the whole point in the process of going to drama school is to kind of break you down and rebuild you and create a version of you that can survive in in the commercial world of acting (laughs) but if you're not prepared to go through that or you're not ready to go through that yeah I I guess that's kind of a smart decision to be making
1: I think you can you can still do auditions for things without having drama school and you know if because plenty of people go through drama school and never make it or, you know, whatever your goal is and you can still, you know, drama school isn't an assurance that you're going to be successful in acting. Likewise, that not doing drama school isn't an assurance that you're not going to be successful in acting, if you know what I mean. And so I think, you know, you can, you can still audition. And if if you really love acting, you can build up your experience and you can do a year's course of drama school or or whatever it is um, and still be successful if, if you know you get the right opportunities, are lucky or just yeah. have those capabilities?
0: What would have been there may not have be been an answer to this, but what would have been like a a clear like trigger or kind of prompt for you just to dive straight in? Is it was there something I because mean, I know you said like you're very mm. self-critical and stuff, but what is there could you think of anything that, that someone might come across and, and you know, a, a specific response they might get from a teacher or like would have there been something that would have pushed you down that path that didn't happen?
1: Yeah actually uh, now you mention it it's, it's funny someone, someone said this to me the other day and I've, I've already applied to uni and everything but it was it was something that I was sort of like questioning my choices and being like well I do love performing and, and whatever and maybe I should be doing this so I, we did our devised piece for for drama and one of so we we based it off of my friend's it was about immigration we based it off of my friend's mum who emigrated from uh croatia to here during the war but she she's she's brilliant but she she pulled me aside after it and she was saying you know like you're going to pursue this aren't you you're you're doing this aren't you you know and you know obviously i thought Roxana was the best but you know out, you know talking about um our piece um yeah. and you know she the praise but I think that was one of those moments where I was just sort of like should I be doing this you know am I am I wasting a few years of my life thinking that oh I'll put it off I might do it later um because yeah and especially because we we sort of based it off of her story as well right and um and she's she's not really the type to my knowledge, that would sort of just just doing it just to make you feel nice, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of praise from other people, I'd quite often just sort of put off and be like, oh, just just be nice. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of just like that. And so I think, I think that was that, and that's that's quite recent where I thought, well, maybe I I should be <laughs> doing this. Um,
0: but so yeah, that, I think. Mm. No, so, so just just to. Separate that out mm. from your parents saying, oh, you are so good. You should definitely do it. <laughs> I guess someone listening who is kind of between mm. the ages of 15 and whatever, 19, 20, whatever the, the cutoff would be, I don't know, 18, 15 and 18 or whatever, going through GCSEs and A-levels, you, you, have to, you have to have the presence of mind to really split out the faint praise that's kind of coming from yeah. – close friends and the the real <laughs> stuff that comes from someone that didn't need to say it or didn't need to do it and yeah i guess if you're getting enough of that that's quite a good cue to start saying okay so maybe
1: yeah i i definitely think so
0: okay yeah because I, I yeah it's interesting that you were able to separate those out and still come to a rational decision about and again mixed in with what you said about not sure if it was 100% what you wanted to do
1: yeah
0: and then but also seeing that, you know, when someone like that comes up to you, <laughs> you're still questioning like <laughs> have you made the right choice? So mm. um, and again, and there's not that, that that's to say there's not a straight answer. You know, I, I'm just you you are you are in that unique position where those things are happening live to you now. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked to another a number of people who've gone through it, and even those who are in drama school, looking back, they have mixed kind of thoughts on what drove them to be there so yeah um,
1: yes
0: yeah, it's interesting to see that you're making choices even with that the, that feedback that's coming in um you mentioned about living up to expectations what what exactly do you mean by that what's kind of your what who's setting the expectations and what what are you calling those when you when you mentioned that i kind of mm.
1: i think i i think because i because i'd sort of only been in like um, A Winter's Tale and so would sort of been through the whole process once before um, of putting on an amateur theatre production. I think a lot of the expectations i created for myself because right. you sort of, you, it's still a bit of an alien environment. Um, and I think as well as as it's still a, a production and it's still that, so, you, you know, you've got the professionalism to it and everything, you know, you, you, you need to be doing your, you know, working hard still, and and things like that. And I think the sort of the expectations that I had on myself were sort of to, to as much as you know, you're, it's a very social thing. Still, I don't know. Still performing to my best capabilities as well, and trying to 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 bring what I could to the table, okay. and bring what what I had, and. You know, because everyone everyone's brilliant and they're and everyone sort of brings different things and so you see everyone else what they're doing. Um and you sort of you want to bring what as much as they are yourself. Right. Because I mean I definitely didn't want to feel like I was I was putting the anything back, you know, and I, I didn't really at any point, but I was just conscious that everyone else had a bit more experience than I had and they they sort of you know have got all these breathing techniques and learn lining things and then i'm just sort of like well you know i I, I did a drama gcse um <laughs> it's sort of like I, I still wanted to bring something to the table i still wanted to it's almost in a sense to prove myself yeah which obviously like you don't need to and that's not the point of it but i i wanted to do well and i wanted to to like I said, sort of just bring what I could to the table. Cause there's I where I'm lacking in experience, I can at least
0: make provide up for what it. I can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, it makes sense. I, a quick follow-on question. What what's your view on kind of raw talent versus experience versus like learn stuff? <laughs> I, I mean I, yeah. I I always break it down to those kind of three elements where you can have mm. someone who's got this just some, somehow they were born with this ability to <laughs> portray characters. There's someone who works their butt off to kind of learn all the techniques and and like read everything about Stanislavski and all the other practitioners Mm. and and put that into play. And then there's someone who's done 50 shows or 60 shows who just Mm. naturally knows how to operate on the stage, knows how to interact with an audience, knows how to like kind of portray a character through kind of just having done it so many times. And again, you're the at the start of kind of all three of those things. Yeah. what's what, what's your feeling on that given that you're operating against people who who may well as you say have more experience and more kind of yeah. knowledge of...
1: I think um all three kind of have worked together in a way I mean I've I've known a lot of people that have been very theory-based and you know they 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 know everything they sort of they research everything and have got all the work done and you're sort of like I did not do That much myself, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and but sometimes it it you know just knowing the theory and knowing all this cognitively is it it doesn't always then communicate through through acting and uh, same with raw talent. I mean, I I've been very lucky. I think that I I just naturally am an all right performer, but um, there does come a point where you know you can't just work off raw talent, and you do need to put the work in and it's you know for me I think doing things through experience um, and watching other people and being part of things is the best way that I learn I think it's I think you know for yourself and for your growth as as an actor I think you need to know where your weaknesses are and you need to be quite self-aware and you need to sort of understand how you act and I mean it's the same with any sort of learning it's it's understanding how you learn and, and how to revise and whatever you know for my lambda exams and stuff I did incredible amounts of, of theory work and research and whatnot because I, I was determined to do very well and it did it did come through in my, my performance and I think it it's just that it gave me the understanding to then maybe change how I was playing the character, change what moments needed you know more emphasis or you know needed a bit of venom in when I'm having to go at Leontes for trying to kill me. You know, it's, <laughs> and I think the the experience side of it. You you know, when you do so many shows, you learn. You, you take bits from other actors as you're watching them. Yeah. Um. And you know, for me, that that's I think the most the most useful thing for my growth. I think because I'm I'm not great at doing just sitting there and reading and researching and stuff. And I, I mean, I will do it. I will, but. <laughs> I'm, I I can't always transfer it over to then, you know, just in my acting, because as much as you can read and know about all of this and understand it all, it's, it's not always going to pull through into your acting. Whereas if I watch other people and sort of just observe and, you know, or even just having conversations with someone about what they do, it will tend to stick a lot more with me. And then that experience, I then sort of drag into my own performing.
0: Okay. That is No, no. I think that's great. I think that makes it makes a lot of sense. The idea of learning through watching is a kind of something that's come up before. I'm exactly like you in (laughs) that, as a director. I mean, I've I've read as much as I can. I'm, I, I have tried to kind of incorporate a lot of things that I have read about and stuff. But as as a director, you don't get the same experience as an actor because I'm not watching other directors, so I'm Mm. very conscious that when I go into a room, even you or, you know, someone like Kieran or whoever have been in 20 shows with, you know, eight, 10 different directors, and they will have seen a million different ways of doing stuff and they'll know what they like, Mm. what they don't like. Mm. So I'm very conscious as well. (laughs) I enter a room and I'm like, all new faces, all these people, what do they want? What do they need? (laughs) And hence why this has kind of come into existence is that, I'm utilizing stuff like someone that you're saying you like this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, mm. is that a common theme across all these people? Do they, do they need this, that, and the other? Yeah. So it does, I mean, what you say makes absolute sense and should make sense for other actors listening, but also makes sense for me in that you kind of, mm. you do have to learn from other people. You can't just read off a page and go, oh, I'll implement yeah. that this time then. Cause it doesn't work. This <laughs> doesn't fit, does it?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But I will, I want to come back to, to that. That kind of idea when we talk about characters and and you kind of working to bring a character to life. Mm. But before we get there, I just want to kind of, I do kind of want to understand the a little bit about the approach that you took, especially learning that monologue that was kind of the one for Lambda that you you put mm. a lot of effort into. What what you were doing to do that? Like, what did you actually yeah. work on? Um, and how much of that you've found useful and mm-hmm. why it's a bit of a trick question, but why, <laughs> you, why you're not employing it in every single mm. aspect of your acting? Yeah. why you spent so much time getting that one like so good. And then rather than go, Oh shit, that's my new process. You went, okay, I don't want to read any more shit. <laughs> I'll <laughs> just,
1: yeah.
0: um, and then, kind of look at, just jump into like rehearsals and how you operate within that space, and and how you bring that a character to life. Um, yeah. Which will feed us back to looking at kind of watching people who are who are performing certain things in certain ways. Um, so that so let's just go straight for that that audition piece. What is it mm. that you did that was so kind of like? Integral to creating that and making that the best yeah. performance it could have been.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, we did, for this, we basically based all of it on Stanislavski techniques and things. Okay. So, you know, the who am I, where am I? Um, so the given circumstance and researching. So it's a sort of a mix of the theory. And um, so researching sort of the time where it's sets and and whatnot, and getting that background first because yep. then you understand how that character is operating in that that world that you know they are in. I think obviously, so you know, we use the magic if you know to, to be like, oh, well, what, what would you do in this situation? And and I think I, I mean, I. I wrote everything out. I wrote it all out as if it was like an essay. I sort of like all these sort of bits and I sort of wrote it all, typed it all down, but it didn't work for me as much. I mean, I've got a limited imagination. I'm not I'm not like that great on that side of things. And, you know, as much as I can think about what I do in that situation, it's it's quite hard to put yourself in a position where you're living in, you know, God knows how many years ago, and you're being put on trial for infidelity by, a, you know, a king your husband and also the character was a lot older than I was I was 16 and so I think I started looking into more sort of and I think I've done this later as well of looking into sort of psychology sides of things and looking more into just behavior in that sort of academic sense I think that's pulled through my acting lot it's it's allowed me to sort of build a better picture of what who that person is, I think it is one of the reasons I love studying psychology is because it's sort of all about people and your your behaviour. And I think that ended up pulling through into my in, into being Hermione and sort of how how she would be because it it is a very I want to say extreme well, A lot of the emotions are very extreme, and it's not really something you you, you might even be able to comprehend. Mm-hmm. You might not even know how you'd react in being put in such a situation. And even sort of the magic if I think I I'm not too keen on it just because I think that I a lot of the characters I, I would play, I'm very different too. And so even if I sort of put myself in that position, it's it's not, it's not you kind of have to use it together with given circumstance, I suppose. But um I think that, uh, taking the monologue and splitting it into into chunks and sort of so where the the sort of thought um, the line of thought and things are, are breaking up I think the most useful thing to me for it was trying to rewrite the monologue but as like what she's thinking okay, and sort of the so what she's then saying but is not written there you know what is actually being said because then you understand and especially with Shakespeare because you know it's not normal English um, and <laughs> sort of understanding getting a real grasp on what it is they're saying and why they're saying it I mean things like objectives which you could you could make up so many different objectives for the same monologue but having a whole it's getting a whole picture of it because then you can actually become that character getting understanding what they're thinking and what they're getting out of this and you know the tactics they're utilizing so objectives and tactics and that kind of sense of it actually is quite useful for me because I think it just helped me understand what what my character was trying to get out of it what she was trying to achieve why she was saying these things and then it it fed into how I was acting it definitely
0: when you so when you got it up on its feet then how much of that did you allow to sit in the background and how much were you like consciously thinking about the things that you you'd kind of researched and found out and discovered through that process
1: yeah I think towards it so the first few times I was doing it I think I was very much consciously thinking about all of it I was like okay and now I move here and now I do okay. this and and whatnot I think the more the more I challenged what I had been writing down and sort of thinking and the more I sort of I'd, I'd be randomly thinking about my character and well if I was doing something what would she choose you know getting a Tesco meal deal what would mind get you know whatever stuff you know just randomly in my day thinking about the character itself and getting a better picture in my head of her as an entire person. I think the more I sort of did that, whilst including all of my objectives and everything like that, the, the less I was consciously thinking about it, the more I could just become that character. Right. It sort of came a lot more naturally, especially, especially once I'd really got down everything that the monologue was saying and everything she meant. And, The purpose of it. Once that that I'd really got that down and understood it, all the lines. And I mean, even even from that, I I I was changing the way I was saying certain things, and the lines just came a lot more naturally because I, instead of thinking about consciously the lines, and then you know like my movement and I'm I'm doing this objective, so I need to go here. It was sort of like I know, like because I'd also split it into chunks. It was sort of themes within each chunk of the different purposes of them. I suppose and then i was just sort of just having to remember those sort of the the arc of it i guess the arc mm-hmm. of the monologue and what's happening and what's changing and what she's getting there just having to remember those bits and the, the lines sort of came a lot more naturally and the the more i don't know i wasn't consciously thinking about the theory side of it i was trying to think as the character and yeah so and I, especially I do this with you know well it's called acting but doing it with <laughs> doing this with you know when you're not having lines and things you're not doing a monologue um just thinking like the character and thinking you know whatever it is so I'm Verges and Dog Breeze just putting his hand out as like an idiot to try and shake uh you know the king's hand and I'm thinking oh put it down stop embarrassing yourself that, that kind of just sort of trying to really get in the headspace and and sometimes I'll catch myself wandering off um and sort of like I've gone off on a tangent and I'm not not thinking like the character I'm thinking like me again it's sort of like no let's pull it back and let's just see like and you know even if we're performing outside it's like and I'm thinking whatever you know you're looking at you know maybe there's a dog walking past and sort of like oh what will vergers want to do would they want to you know you know kill it do they not like dogs or you know whatever it is just sort of trying to really consciously thinking any empty space in your head filling it with thoughts of that character, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's quite think- it's quite no, I think that's quite nice. I think that, that <laughs> no no I mean in terms of I mean that headspace idea is is quite mm. cool that because then then yeah there's no there's no gap where you fall into that little empty space and drift off and become Hannah again yeah. or whatever because you've <laughs> you know, you've backfilled it all with even even the smallest of, like you say even the smallest of notes because you've already if you've had that thought process about mm. that character, it it can map out a full range of follow-on thoughts, but that foundational mm. thought is really key because you can fall back to that and then bounce off it to somewhere else. If there's nothing yeah. there, then Hannah's <laughs> thought fills the gap, and then <laughs> you know that takes you out yeah. of the character somewhere else. No, I, I think that's really nice. So how how then are you? Because a monologue is one thing, right? A monologue you can spend, mm. you know. A page worth of text or a couple of pages worth of text, or whatever it is, you know you can spend time doing that and developing it and creating it. how and again, I know it will be the same as you just described, but I kind of want to feed it into the rehearsals now and, and maybe we use Verges as an example. But how then are you mapping out a character throughout a whole play, or how did you rationalize that sort of process through much ado, let's say, just as it's the most recent one?
1: Yeah. Um so I suppose we had uh, having the character chats and things and sort of like even though verges is a relatively small part having that overarching objective and sort of the backstory of them and whatever I think that that really helps pull through sort of gives it some coherence throughout each scene because even though there are you know standalone scenes that you know verges would have a separate objective a separate aim for having the coherence gives the character I think a bit of I know some some sturdiness and a bit more sort of cements them as a character as a whole and mm-hmm. you sort of get a bit more of an idea of I how, suppose them as a person and yeah.
0: Well how did you how did you approach a text in the first instance then? How did you, you know, you got you got the part, yeah. you were sent the you got you got a script. <laughs> Let's say we've done the read through. How did you how did you begin to approach the whole play with verges in mind?
1: Yeah, yeah so. Uh, when we when we got the scripts for the first time around in 2020 I know we we sort of briefly spoke about what we th- what you know your sort of vision for verges or whatever um and so I was you know as we were reading through and things I had my script and I was annotating it so I had um just notes on perhaps how to play it what verges wanted to what they were getting out this line that kind of thing just start getting a bit of an idea of how to how to play them and I suppose then then going through the scenes individually, and I mean, I, it really helps. Well, for me, working with you know with Joe with Dobry, you know, doing the scenes all together because as much I can do as much work as I like on my own at home, you know, much as much theory work. It, when I do it with someone, and I'm you know actually going through the scene, I think that's when I start getting more ideas about Verges as a character. I think yeah. it's just because I work more practically, I suppose. And that's when I start actually being able to sort of envision the character as a whole and trying to create that person, that persona that you're putting on. Because I think when I'm at, at home and or I'm just sort of doing theory work or whatever and I'm just sort of like, yeah, let's create this whole backstory and, and everything. I, it just doesn't come to me. It's not okay. like... Or i or at least I think it's just a little bit more superficial, right. like the the stuff that I'll like try and note down or whatever I think when when I go through it, and especially as sort of like we develop the play as a whole and you know doing run throughs and whatever, and having those chats with everyone else about you know the scene and the the other characters, and sort of like because because your character, as if it was a real person, would be talking to all these other characters. At the same time, and you know, you know, doing whatever, and they'd know them well. And so, I think it's also important to be understanding what the other characters are and how they are, because then you know how you'll react or how you feel about them, that kind of thing. Because you can put on a, you can, you can know, you put forward your character itself. But if you, but if that character would have been sort of interacting with with everyone else as it was, like with Dogberry or whatever, then you know how to react with it. And then I think it also helps with trying to like think as the character um whilst you're on stage or whilst you're rehearsing trying to get into that headspace because you have the whole picture and not just your yeah. own character and the work for that
0: yeah so, it creates the hierarchy in, within the play it's important yeah. to know where you sit in terms of, i mean especially with shakespeare yeah. Who, yeah. who is above you who is below you who who you can interact with in certain ways and yeah. what you can do in terms of like and virgins was was a slight interestingly a kind of had <laughs> slightly more nuance that in that she Mm. The way you portrayed it and the way we wanted it to be portrayed was a bit more she you know she could treat everyone with a bit of disdain. Because yeah. you know, I
1: definitely like I I came in and I was like, I'm above everyone else. It doesn't yeah. matter what status I am, because yeah. I have my own objective here, which is yeah. infiltrate the <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um the group. <laughs> how in terms of those rehearsals then, or in terms of um, I guess any rehearsal, what's the what what would you prefer to do first from like, what would you have preferred to have a director get the mm-hmm. cast to do? What would you prefer with your character to be dealing with first and how would you like it to unfold? How, how do you kind of perceive it unfolding yeah. to get the best out of, out of it for you and your character?
1: Yeah, I think getting the overarching view of the whole play, the, the concept, what, what we want to be put forward. I think that's, that's definitely the first thing that I like to know um okay. and sort of work from there I think I love I love me a good character chat I love a good discussion I
0: <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm a big fan of it I'm a big fan of just like mm. I mean it does challenge some people's kind of character depth though I think yes. some people don't like it because they suddenly like well, what if you ask me about my mother I've not thought about my mother my mother's not in the play I don't know I don't know anything about my mother what <laughs> and it's not meant to catch people out it's not meant to be yeah. like a. A, a task through which you pass or fail it's meant to be opening up some kind of mm. doors yeah. in your brain that you hadn't knocked <laughs> on yet.
1: yeah no I think it's definitely that because for me I mean like I was saying before when I'm on my own and just working I, I it's not it's not very, not ever as as valuable and I think when I'm having sort of character discussions it's sort of that enabler to become a bit more perceptive and get a bit more depth in within my character and bouncing off of other people's ideas and you know it's, it's one of the reasons I I used to enjoy doing English and you know well I, I enjoy it as a bit of a stretch but I liked the chatty part of English because <laughs> because I like sort of having those perceptive conversations about it and I think it enables me to think deeper I think on my own I'm not that great at, at that right. and so having those character chats
0: you got to bounce it right. off someone just to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically.
0: Okay. <laughs> and what, I mean, does that map onto how you kind of operate with constructing the play on a scene by scene basis? Because it sounds like, I mean, obviously I've worked with you, so I know kind of roughly how you work, but mentally I <laughs> don't know how you work, but I get an idea. Are you, how are you approaching the scenes? So let's say mm. if you've been lucky enough to, you know you've had the read through so you you kind of know what happens in the play Mm. you've then met the fellow cast members and you kind of have this relationship beginning to build with those guys that as you say Mm. gives you this the comfort and and stability to know you can do stuff in the rehearsal room and then you've done your own character work and you've brought it to the table what then are you doing in terms of like how you map out and how you kind of create the scenes
1: i don't like having i mean i like rough blocking. So you mm-hmm. know if someone wants to say, okay, well, you're here and maybe I want you to do this and this. But I I I do like having some freedom with it. I mean, having the lines and just getting a feel of it and just switching it up from there. Cause I think you just immediately get a sense of okay, no, that didn't work. So let's just try it differently. Or that does work. And I like this. And I I, I you can pick out bits. I think when you come in with set blocking, I, I really I'm I'm just not a fan of rigid yeah, directing where you want it a certain way and you know everything to be said a certain way and I want you to move here and I want you to move here because I suppose you're no no two people are ever going to have the exact same view of a character the director will you know because that's impossible we will perceive things differently and it's that combination of both when you sort of try it out and have a feel and then you get some direction after that being like okay no I I, I didn't like this and I did like this and then you, you pay off of that. I, I do like building it up that way because because then sometimes you can you know bring things that the, the, the director might have been like, okay, no, 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 I really like that, like keep it in, and, and things like that. I like having that that freedom with it, but at the same time, having too much freedom. I mean <laughs> I I've always a bit uh I don't know nervous about because I'm always I mean it's the side of me that's like I don't get it wrong and I want to do everything right and you know <laughs> it's, it's that side of me so when I when I have too much freedom I'm just sort of like oh you just just want me to go for it okay um yeah, yeah. well <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: no that's interesting because my follow-on question was before you even said that what allows you to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and do well a number of things do stupid stuff that mm. might not land but might yeah. work for the character in some way, but you know, whatever, but also like have the vulnerability to get it wrong. You know,
1: yeah.
0: how, how in your head do you allow yourself to do that? Because although that is, I, I always feel that's a lot of what acting is. The mm. more vulnerable you can be, the more you're prepared mm. to try stuff, have it fail and try again. Yeah. Yeah. Better you'll be. And the more you'll get your character to where it needs to be. Yeah. But also that is the, one of the biggest barriers for anyone who is an actor because of what you just said, you know, getting it right is important. Yeah. So yeah. So w- what's your rationale behind kind of dealing with that scenario?
1: I think that is definitely something I've, I've massively struggled with and, you know, trying to just go for it and not overthink it. Cause I'm definitely an overthinker and I, I'd like to think through everything and have it planned and, you know, all this I'm, uh, I'm definitely a, a perfectionist as well in that sense. So I just don't want to get it wrong.
0: But for yourself you know, or for the other people around you, who, who for, for the director? I think or it's, for
1: I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I remember, I thought it was a good thing that I was constantly trying to, you know, do the best and get, get that, that, you know, be perfect. But it's, I think in drama, it's, it's really, it's really not, it will, it will destroy you in a sense because you know, uh, actors on a whole are very self-critical, but too much of that will will tear you down and will hold you back.
0: And yeah. it, um, you'd never have smooth edges. It's always going to be a little yeah. bit rough somewhere.
1: Yeah, that I mean, there's always going to be something that that isn't quite the way you want it. I think you yeah. have to learn. I mean, especially with which, just,
0: with which doesn't which yeah. yeah. doesn't make it worse. I will just say to someone listening, it doesn't make it worse. Like if it if it's not exactly how you perceived it or how mm. you, you you know you wanted it. The first time mm. you read the play, that doesn't mean it's any worse than what is actually being shown yeah. on stage.
1: Yeah, you. I. I, I think I had to uh, learn a bit to be just dissatisfied with what I'd done and sit with that uncomfortable feeling that I felt like I. I could have done it better and sit with that, and okay. Then so hold on, try hold on, hold on, hold on. Of-
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just <laughs> I think this is an important point. This is an important point that I thought you were going to say. I had to just learn to live with the fact that it wasn't, it wasn't how I, you know, it wasn't as I perceived it, but it was still good. You've just said to learn to live with the fact that (laughs) it wasn't like, it wasn't perfect. And it wasn't the final kind of, what was the word? It wasn't, didn't look or feel how you Mm -hmm. wanted it to. And therefore you still thought it wasn't right, but you just sat with it. How is that like, how do you yeah how, how is that still how is that still your kind of thought process and again just to clarify um i can understand if mm. if, if the feedback or the response is like oh it's not mm. yeah you know, that's not what we wanted can you yeah. have a think about it and go back but if the response is okay that's, that looks great that interaction is cool and yet you're still thinking it's not it's not quite where i want yeah. to get it how did how do you <laughs> how are you rationalizing that in your head like
1: I think it's a sense of you've got to let go of um I don't know I think I've always been quite like second guessing everyone's praise and something like that I think you have to in a sense just allow it and trust what other people are saying Mm -hmm. because you know you're always going to be so much harsher on you than everyone else is or at least for me that's that's the case I think it's it's Learning that it's it's fine to not have it perfect, and you know you might be dissatisfied with it, but you could have done it so much worse. And um, right. and actually, you know, <laughs> the feedback you're getting is is positive, and it's trying to it's trying to counter those sort of negative thoughts around your your performance with with positive things, and trying to you know actually actually listen to the the positive feedback you're getting because for me definitely I will fixate on. What what I felt wasn't good, or what any negative feedback I got, and that that will reverberate in my mind. And so I'll I'll be trying to sort of have an argument with myself, in a sense, with with you know countering those points. And um, you know, I feel like there is a sense of like fake it till you make it. Be big headed about yourself to yourself, you know,
0: Definitely. because
1: if you know gas yourself up, even if you don't believe it yourself, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it it you know it it helps. And it's, I think, definitely being with um in an environment where people are, very, and I mean, most you know amateur theatre as a whole is is it's very sociable and it's very um, it's a, I feel like it's a very warm environment. And so the the people that are around you, you know, watching them put their all into it and come up with ideas, it it it's definitely then inspires you to do the same. Um, I think that was definitely how I felt because I think I was very much more you know when we started much do, um, in last year I think. At the beginning, it was sort of binding my feet a bit and working out, you know, what, how much could I input and, you know, what are other people doing? And the the environment that was created was, it, it was, it was very welcoming and warm and it was very safe. And so it's sort of, it's sort of just trying to stop thinking and fixating on what could go wrong if you just go Go for it and do this or try this. It's stop yeah. trying to stop yourself from doing that and be like, well, what, what's the worst that can happen? You know you know, someone might laugh. It, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. You know, yeah. people and I think I think it's remember a big thing for me is remembering that no one else cares about you in that sense. No one thinks, you know, no one else is going home that night and thinking, God, Hannah, that bit of improv she did. <laughs> I'm still laughing about it. Everyone forgets. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone forgets yeah. about it you know everyone else is everyone is so wrapped up in their own lives and busy doing their own thing that no one else thinks about you as much as you think about yourself yeah and so having that that sort of rationale and and arguing with myself and just sort of being like fuck it just just go for it what's what's the worst that that could happen and you know the first time that you sort of let go of it and be a bit more vulnerable or try try some more things and you get that positive feeling that that is it that feeling that you'll get from that is worth risking it going wrong. Because, you know, once you, once you get that, and then you, you build from there and you become more comfortable with the people you're acting with. Um, and I think it's just important to, I don't know, just let loose a bit, stop, stop worrying so much about doing it right. Cause there isn't yeah. a right. <laughs> it's not, it's not how drama works. It's, it's there's not a right and wrong answer. It's all, your interpretation and you know if someone else doesn't like your interpretation of it that's fine you're an actor change it you know that's that's what you do that's 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 the whole point of it and yeah i think i think i'm still getting there with it but
0: no no i think i think that's a yeah i mean that that, from what you just said it does it's very it sounds very much like the right mental approach to try and Mm. foster because it will it will destroy you even if it even if you survive the first few rounds of you know getting over someone saying bad stuff and you taking mm-hmm. it to heart and whatever over time if you allow it to seep in you just you you end up with a you know it will be more stifling than not doing it mm-hmm. in the first place because yeah. you know if if you yeah I, it feels like something that m- many people have to try and get through and and many people aren't able to do that you know they it's, mm. it's a big leap to take and yeah, like you said, it does, it does require an environment where if you do fall rather than everyone just pointing and laughing, someone walks over and picks, <laughs> picks you up and sort of says, yeah, look, let's, let's try it together this time. Or, you know, I'll do this, or mm. like, you know, and as you say, when you're working with people who will do the stupidest of things, <laughs> you, you then look and go, okay, you know, I, I can, <laughs> I can maybe try some of this stuff as well because, yeah, yeah. And, and it does, and it does feed into their characters because they'll play off you and, mm. and you and Joseph proved that. You know perfectly in the <laughs> show and the more you press each other, mm. the better the response each of you gives, and then the more the audience yeah. will get from your interactions. So I really like that so I think that's a very it's a very valid point. okay, I guess I mean that kind of wraps up the rehearsals and mm. and shaping that character. I get maybe just to f- sort of tie a bow in that how how and when do you feel like you're ready to present it to an audience what is it that's in your head that's kind of saying I mean and it feeds off nicely from you being quite self-critical and worrying and whatever at what point at what point are you allowing yourself to go right I'm Mm -hmm. beginning to feel ready or do you just have to be ready when you're told (laughs) you're ready what's kind of like the?
1: I think there's I always get extremely nervous the first especially the first performance um I think I try and differentiate between what is my rational worries and what is my irrational worries. So I always try and work out, you know, like when I get to that point where I'm a little bit more, more free with what I'm doing and I have the space to play around with it. I think that's sort of like my starting point like, okay, I'm, I'm I'd am be okay showing it from here. I mean, obviously okay. I'd like to develop it more, but sometimes you don't always have the time for that. <laughs> And I mean, I, I always have that sort of self-doubt and that, um, you know, what if what if this goes wrong? But if, and, you know, whatever. But I think the, the way I work is that I, I need to get an understanding of everything that's going on in quite, you know, detail and depth before I'm even, I don't know, you know, off book, for example. Because then if I've got that backing, if worse comes to worse and I do forget my lines or I do forget this or someone else does, we can pick it up you know I mean you know if if I'd be happy to go on you know knowing half my lines but if I knew well I mean I wouldn't be happy to but you know worse comes to worse <laughs> you know if I'd had half my lines learned but I you know fully understood everything that was going on and I fully understood the character interactions and we'd created that depth you, you know you we could pull it off mm-hmm. and I'd you know I'd be okay then. And I think that's why I sort of work in the way of trying to get that backing first before, right. you know, line learning or things, because my lines I will understand and learn a lot easier if I understand, you know, the, the whole context and have actually developed those characters maybe a bit more.
0: Um, that's crazy, that's, played around with it a bit. No, it's interesting because that that it's I mean, I would say this is not wholly correct, but it's kind of it's kind of backwards <laughs> to the way a lot of people do it. Yeah, which, you know, which is not a criticism. I mean, it does it, it may well affect you when you have a director that wants you to be off mm. book by a certain point, and yeah. you're still developing character and stuff. <laughs> but it's interesting. It's an interesting kind of thought process in that what you're setting yourself up for is actually probably a deeper um, ability mm. to to deal with a situation in yeah. that once you've got that depth of character and understanding the lines, obviously they matter because it's the script you've got to learn, mm. but they, they, they're they fed through a filter of what will my character do in this situation. Yeah. These are the lines I'm going to have to say, but what is it that
1: yeah. you know, you've already yeah. thought about
0: what the response is and now you're just mapping on the lines on top. So it's quite nice. It's quite yeah. nice, but I think it's, yeah.
1: Mm.
0: As long as the, the off book date is slightly further down the line than <laughs> next week, you might be all right with that. Just quickly as a sidetrack, how do you learn your lines?
1: How do I learn my lines? Uh, it's a brilliant question. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't, <it>, clearly.
1: <laughs> right. yeah. um, I've, I've tried a few different ways. Um, the, the way I learned one of my quite big monologues was I split it up into chunks and then I did the first letter of each word. And so I'd, I'd, I read through it a few times and then I'd read it, but... Obviously, it's the first letter of each word, and then so you're trying to actively recall it a bit more. And then from that, I did it in chunks and sort of like read it and then read it, not looking and then sort of go through. and i've always I've always found that I learn my lines a lot quicker though, when so I mean that was for my monologue, but when you know duologues and you know just plays as a whole, I learn it a lot quicker when I am doing it, you know up and standing or you know reading it with the other actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm i not. I'm not a big for. I mean, I think it's also because I don't have a very big attention span, and so I just I can't do it that way. I can't just sit and try and force myself to learn it. I mean, I'll have to. I mean, I did do that with my monologues in a in a sense, but it was more. I was actively thinking about it because I had just the letter of of it, and um, you know, when when we were doing scenes with me with me and Joe. I found it a lot easier because I just sort of naturally came off book because right. we'd be rehearsing. I mean, maybe I've, I'm just lucky i a book, a good memory, and just lucky in that sense. But, you know, the, the more we just rehearse the scenes with, with it, you know, the more I'd know what's coming next. And then, yeah, I didn't need to look. And then, mm-hmm. and I, I just sort of, I mean, for much, time, I didn't really have to do much work for it because I just sort of naturally came off book as it was. I mean, I, I didn't have as so many lines. Yeah. So if I'd had a lot, I think it, I would approach it in the sense of, you know, if there were big chunks of text, I'd learn out how I learnt my monologues, which is just getting the first letter, and then it sort of becomes muscle memory in a sense. I just sort of I know what's coming next, and in the duologues, I just kind of do the same, where it's just sort of reading it through script and then understanding. I mean, because when I understand what's what's going on in a scene, sort of like the progression and arc of just the scene itself, I know what's coming next, and so then I sort of know which line to pick out next, right, with, yeah. <laughs> you know, whichever one's next. And so I think I I just sort of naturally
0: come off book that way. Okay, that makes sense. I met mean, I, I just interviewed my Juliet from my Romeo and Juliet, and mm. she she was talking about this Audrey Hepburn technique where you go to bed reading it, you wake up and you read it, and then you just don't look at it at all for the rest of the day. So what <laughs> what it does it? It plants the seed in your head when you go to sleep, mm. and then it plants the seed in the morning. So when and it kind of feeds into what you said about when you're shopping, you suddenly character comes to your mind, and mm. the lines are kind of mulling over obviously you've got to learn them at some point yeah if you're you're reading it (laughs) in those two instances you're kind of like implanting or impregnating yourself with the lines and not actually sort of reading them over and over again um okay cool that was a little side tangent okay two more things real quick so i just want to finish off that rehearsal thing Mm. with with a to get an idea from you about the because you have mentioned like the story arc and your character's arc and you've mentioned objectives goals and things like that Mm. um i just want to just ask you about how you i've got a thing in my head because someone mentioned it recently about knowing where your character is going to end up and how much that plays back through the play on how you do your scenes and interact with people now are you thinking about the final goal of your character are you thinking about scene by scene objectives are you thinking about kind of like key points at which your character is impacted by something else how how do you how are you deconstructing that when you're looking yeah. that character
1: I suppose it's sort of a mix of, of all of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I you sort of, you have your character's main objective and then, cause I suppose when you, when you have um, your objectives in the scenes at standalone, um, they, a lot of the time for me, I'm getting them to then be, be a tactic for their, their super objective as a whole, you know, a bit, bit of stun in there. But um, <laughs> um, I suppose it's, all kind of trying to get into that that headspace and thinking of, because when you're in that headspace as your character, what what parts are they thinking about when, you know? I think I try and do it in the space, trying to do it is like, how does a normal person think? Because I, I, I do this all the time. I'm like, I, I forget how a normal person stands when I'm acting. Suddenly I'm acting and I've got, how, how do, I, do I stand with my hands by my side? Do, do normal people just sort of stand still like that? You know, you know, I forget how to do it. And so I think it's the same with, trying to get that thought process sort of switching between scene objectives and then overall objectives and what's happened before and um, you know any childhood trauma that's brought up because of someone mentioned you know a cat and you got clawed by one when you were little and you know whatever yeah, it like is
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay no, that's good that's good and that's that's deeper than I thought you were going.
1: <laughs> no right.
0: Um, no, no, I like. I like that. That's my nice. years
1: and years of experience at my yes, old age. Right.
0: Yeah, suddenly paying <laughs> off. Okay, brilliant. And then the last, the last bit. Then I guess I'd like to kind of, from your experience, from your kind of many, time. Many years. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> given that, given that I'm hoping that people kind of of a similar age or younger will be listening. Mm. Obviously, I know you. We've worked together. We've we've done well two and a half shows kind of with each other. And I guess I've seen you go through various characters and, and ideas and we've played off each other. How are you mm. kind of hitting the shows and feeling confident and not being killed by nerves and stuff, which you mentioned right mm. at the start that were kind of like a, kind of a key yeah. thing when you were 13 doing Winter's Tale. <laughs> yeah. what, what what are you now doing? Are you still super nervous or are you is it just...
1: I I always get. I mean, I I've been performing when I, since I was quite young, but I always get nervous and get that self doubt of like, am I going to forget my lines? Am I going to forget, you know, if I was dancing or whatever? I I I always consciously affirm to myself, no, you've done this so many times, you know what you're doing, like that kind of thing. Trying to, because even though I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, and even though I feel like it's really overwhelming. Uh, it's sort of I ha- I, I firm to myself. I will sit there and you know if I'm if I'm really doubting myself, I'll speed run the lines through my head. You know I'll go through them really quickly um, and that kind of thing. Because it's always lines that I get I get worried about. Right. Because uh, I mean I'm not, I never even forget them. I'm not even you know that bad with them. I'm, I pick them up quite quickly and things like that. But I feel like that's just the first thing that comes to mind that could go wrong. And yeah, that's
0: um, a, the a cliche thing, right? That you go on stage yeah. and you forget your lines.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um,
0: but you've only, you've only learned do- half your line, so don't worry about it. You'll be fine.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'll be, I can do it. I'll, yeah. I'll rewrite Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah, I, I sort of, I will sit down, I will I sometimes will do just some breathing just to sort of chill out and whatever. And I, I think sometimes, I mean, especially when I used to do dancing stuff, I, I'd remind myself that nerves aren't always bad. Nerves are good. Nerves can make you better. Yeah. And so it's, trying to in that moment understand how i'm feeling and then what i need to do so if i'm breathing i'm breathing i'll close my eyes and i'll just think this is actually okay and this will benefit your performance you know when i was doing um a winter's tale hermione um at the monologues at the the shakespeare festival um in 2020 i was so nervous and i remember doing this when i was auditioning for you as well (laughs) and i was so incredibly nervous (laughs) And I was like, it's somewhat shaking. I can hear the shaking in my voice just because of the nerves. And I was like, it's fine, use it, use it, Hannah. You know, put it into the performance. And it, it's trying to just channel that energy because being nervous is a lot of energy. It's, it's, you know, you're quite anxious or whatever. And it's trying to channel that into something else and put that into that and remind yourself that nerves are okay and it's good and everyone will feel this, embrace it. And, you know, if you need to breathe, breathe. And just affirm to yourself that you know what you're doing. And... Um, You've done this so many times. How many times have you rehearsed it, those? And if you haven't rehearsed it, well, you know, you know what's going on. So <laughs> it's, it's trying to affirm to yourself that you've got the ability and you can do it and you can trust yourself. Yeah. It's trying to be like, well, how many times in rehearsal have you just randomly forgotten this? You know, none. So why are you getting so nervous over it? Um, yeah. I think that's why I always try and make sure I am prepared because otherwise I will just be a wreck yeah it's it's being comfortable being uncomfortable i think you you, (laughs) you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable because you will be pushed when you're doing it that's the whole point of drama you're not going to achieve everything when you are just in your comfort zone i think that's just a widely accepted thing in drama that that you will be out of your comfort zone and that's how you grow as an actor yeah i think it's learning to learn to embrace that